scripture reading this evening is from Philippians chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. Philippians 1, verses 19 through 21. For I know that this will turn out for my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness to always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. It's good to be back with, with you. It's good for everyone to be back, obviously, as we come together to worship the Lord one more time before before we go out into the world for the rest of the week until Wednesday when we come back here at 7 o'clock for classes and a time of devotional. I don't know if you know uh, who, what country is the happiest country in the world. Countries. And I looked it up and I, and I found out that the countries that have the happiest people are cold places. I'll, I'll read the list. The first seven, Finland, Denmark, Norway, Iceland, Netherlands, Switzerland, and Sweden. Pretty cold places, but they're beautiful places as well. But sometimes it's hard to, by the way, United States, number 19. Number 19. So there are other countries that are happier than us. <laughs> Think about that. And I don't know if there are places that are happier than Disney World. Is there Bruce? Um, have you? Anyway, the happiest place in the world would be Finland. 19th would be the United States. But I am sure without a doubt that while these people are happy, they are not without struggles. And in spite of struggles of just getting through life, you can be happy. But I was thinking about this, and we talked about this uh, in class the other night. The happiest people that I've met in difficult places to live, we've met them in India. We've met them in Mexico, in, the har in harsh mountain places where there isn't, there isn't plumbing. There's just a creek that they get their water from, and, and, uh, and they just live hard lives. But those Christians were happy when we were there. The Philippines, difficult times, difficult places to live. Floods almost every year where they have to wade through their yards and wade down the street, but they're happy people when they're Christians. And as we look at the scripture today, tonight, I want to notice who was writing what you just heard from Philippians chapter 1. It was Paul, the Apostle Paul. And if you don't know who that is because you, you aren't very familiar with the Bible, you need to know that Paul was an apostle. And if you don't know what an apostle is, it is a messenger. It is someone who specifically has been chosen, in this case by God, by Christ, to further the gospel as a leader. And he has, he has the apostle Paul as well as the other apostles that Jesus chose would be able to, they have knowledge and they have some special abilities for healing, laying on of hands, speaking in tongues, prophecy. But Paul is someone whose life was radically changed 
and preached the gospel, started churches, started people on journeys in getting to heaven and teaching the gospel to these people. And he loved those people like crazy, but his life was not easy. And in this case, in, in Philippians chapter 1, he's in chains. He's, he is in prison. And he is bound. He is limited. And yet he says, and we're going to look at that tonight, that he is still continuing to spread the gospel. The happiest person in the world, I believe without a doubt, the happiest person in the world is the one who not based on it's not based on what they have. It's not based on their job, their place in life. But the happiest people that I've met are the people who know for sure that they're heaven, the people who know for sure that their sins have been forgiven. And Paul was one of these people. Paul understood that everything that he had done in the past, he just had to. He, he had the privilege and the gift to put it in the past because God had forgiven him of those sins. And Paul was, was sent to Rome and he was living a living message of Christ. And he makes his journey to Rome and, and uh, he ends up being in prison. But his concerns about his brothers and the sisters were higher than, than his concerns about his welfare. And as you read Philippians chapter 1 and Philippians, you realize he's writing to people who really care about him. He's writing to people who are worried about him. And he's writing them to let them know that he's okay. Yeah, life is hard, but he is doing something that he wants to do so badly, and that is share the gospel. And so the brothers and sisters, and the, Philipp the Philippian brothers and sisters were concerned about him. But Paul understood and taught, in Philippians especially, that joy isn't based on circumstances. That happiness isn't based on whether or not you're feeling physical pain. Christ has to be glorified in every situation, or in this case, magnified, he says, in every situation. And as we go through these points, as we go through this lesson, I challenge you to think about your life. Think about whether or not you are spreading the gospel in your actions, interactions, words, attitude, sharing the good news about Christ and your motivation is the same as Paul's to get the message out so people can know for sure that they're going to heaven. And so three areas in which Paul's life magnified Christ, taken from Philippians chapter 1. So if you want to, we'll start in uh, verse 12 of Philippians 1. And I'll let you get there. If you've, if you've already closed your Bibles, I'll let you get there. Philippians 1, and we're going to start in verse 12. And we're going to note, notice that Christ was magnified through Paul's detainment. And what that means is he was held in custody. He was imprisoned. He was shackled. He talks about his chains. In fact, verse 12, I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, these terrible things, these difficult times, these chains and binding and being imprisoned and being beaten, these things have worked out for the furtherance of the gospel. So verse 13, it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains, my chains are in Christ. He is bound to teach 
the word of God, but he is bound to share the gospel and the people around him. And he says, the palace guard and the rest that his chains are in Christ in 14. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident in my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. I don't know if you caught that. The other brethren, since knowing that I am in chains and I am still having this attitude of sharing the gospel, they're more bold than they had been. It's contagious or infectious, however you want to look at it. It rubs off on people. When people are excited about sharing the gospel, I do believe from experience, the, those people are excited who are in the process of sharing. The people who are receiving, for the most part, are excited about receiving, but those around get excited as well, and it might just rub off the energy that comes from from action, and we've seen that a lot lately here. Paul says the chains are promoting the gospel. Well, how does that work? We have some scripture. Let's look at some scriptures. First, Second uh, Timothy two verses eight and nine reads, as you can see, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. He says, Paul, my gospel, Timothy, this is mine but it's also yours. It's not that he has exclusive rights to it. He just loves it so much that he considers that his good news about the good news about Jesus, he says, my gospel for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of change, but the word of God is not chained. Now, it's a little confusing for me at first when I read this. Uh, I suffer trouble as an evildoer. Is Paul an evildoer? No. Some translations have common criminal. He's treated like a criminal, even though he's not one. But I suffer trouble as, as a common criminal would in my chains like a common criminal would be put in. But the word of God, you can't hold that back. The word of God, you cannot chain it. You cannot subdue it. You cannot restrain it. It's powerful. And you don't have to sit down with someone one-on-one -on -one for an hour, an hour and a half to share the gospel. Paul sang. He talked. He interacted. He, he knew the scriptures. He will ask for books while he's in prison. He will ask people, bring the books. I, wanna, I want books. But he knows the scriptures. And he's able to share the gospel, his gospel, which is the gospel, the good news of Christ. Philippians Philippians 1.12, I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me we've looked at have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Okay, so the question is, how did it help the cause of Christ for Paul to be in prison? How did that help? Well, it got him there. Well, what does that mean? It means the people around him were hearing the gospel and acting on the gospel and becoming saved people. Their sins are forgiven. Why? Because he showed up. He showed up. And I don't know if he enjoyed the circumstances he was in. But in Philippians, it's all about joy. Finding joy in the difficult circumstances. Acts 28, 20. Listen to his words. For this reason, therefore, I have called for you to see you, to speak with you, because for the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. Bound with this, what an attitude. 
Then we go over to Ephesians. I'll, I'll let you get there. It's chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. This idea, this idea of being in a situation where you, you, on the surface, if someone looked at you, they would think, well, he's limited. He can't go out. He can't do what he needs to be doing. He's locked up. He's isolated. But Paul doesn't see it that way. And in verse 18 through 20 of Ephesians 6, he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication, asking God to supply in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. I'm praying for you. I'm asking for things for you and for me. He wants people to pray that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known. Notice this, the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in what? In chains. I am an ambassador, ambassador in I represent Christ. And I share him. And it doesn't matter what you do to me. I'm going to keep preaching Christ. I may speak boldly as I ought to speak, he says in verse 20. And we go to Philippians 1.14, and we've, we've looked at that. But most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident in my chains, are much more bold to speak. Much more bold to speak the word without fear. Now, are they in danger? Yeah. Are, 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 can they be arrested as well? Yes. Have Christians been killed for preaching the gospel? Absolutely. Have they been imprisoned? Have they been persecuted? Yes, they have. So how can you preach the gospel without fear because you see someone like Paul in his circumstances and he's doing the exact same thing that you need to be doing and so you watch him and you hear him and you see him and you see the results of his efforts and his, and his joy and his zeal and you do that without fear because will he be killed maybe will he be hurt definitely definitely but he does it without fear. He does it without fear. So what change? You think about this. What change do we wear that might become, yes, there are weaknesses and there are situations that we wouldn't mind getting out of. But what situations and limitations do we have in which we might use to further, to further the gospel? What might we use those situations? Find them. Look for them. And utilize them. Christ was magnified through Paul's detractors. People, look at 15 through 19. 15 through 19 of Philippians 1. And he starts saying, you know, some preach Christ. Some really do preach Christ, even from envy and strife. How does that work? Can you imagine? I preach Christ through envy. I'm jealous, that's what he says, and struggle and, and causing trouble. They preach Christ, and some also from goodwill. Good. The former... Preach Christ from selfish ambition, verse 16, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains. Their motivation was to make his life more miserable. I don't know why they would do that. I don't know what their reasoning would be. I don't know what would come into their minds, this jealousy, this envy, this maliciousness. Whatever the case, they want to make his life more miserable than it already has. And he says, supposing to add, supposing, wanting to add affliction, 17, but the latter, the one from goodwill, out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel, 18. What then? Christ, no matter what, 
no matter what the motivation is, he says, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice and I will rejoice for I know that this turn, that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. They can preach, but as long as words about the gospel, as long as, as, as things are coming out that are correct as far as the news of Jesus dying, being buried and resurrected so that we can go to heaven, he says, he says, that he's happy. He's happy no matter how that news gets out. Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice. I don't know how that works for you, and I don't know if you've ever thought about this. How can I use my critics? How can I use my detractors? That's what that would mean. People who try to take away from, your, from something about you, try to minimize you, minimalize you, and... Um, how would that work? How could you share the gospel, spread the gospel through that? You'd be a bigger person. One of my closest friends told me we were talking about someone and we had a hard time getting along with, a hard time enjoying being around. And he said, Troy, we're going to be nice to him. Uh, this person was, was a detractor for sure. This person was someone that made you just miserable about yourself. They worked hard to tear you down. And my friend said, Troy, we're going to be nice to him. And I thought, mm, I don't know about this. And he said, we're, we're going to be nice to him, not because we like him, but because we're Christians. And we're going to be nice to him because we're Christians. And we've seen that in other people. People who could hold grudges, people who could encounter people who have done them wrong, come up to them, face them. But if we're living our lives right and they're living their lives uh, in any way, we're gonna. If the gospel is being shared, we're gonna we're gonna rejoice. This next one, Paul was magnified through Paul's distress. Verses twenty and twenty-six of Philippians chapter one. According to my earnest expectation and hope, he's, he just said, he just got through saying that I know that this will turn out for my deliverance in verse 20. According to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always. So now also Christ will be magnified in my body. People will see him bigger than they have in the past based on how I live my life, whether by Life or by death, for me, he makes this statement. We heard it read a few moments ago. To live is Christ. His life is all about living for Christ. And then he says, to die is gain. In other words, I wouldn't mind dying, but I've got a job to do. And my life is all about Christ and sharing Christ with people. And then he goes on, 22. If I live on in the flesh, this will mean what? Results. He said, this will mean fruit from my labor. I'm going to, as long as I'm living, as long as I'm breathing, I'm going to continue to share the gospel and there will be fruit from my labor. And then he says, yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. He says, I'm hard pressed. 23, I am in distress. I'm hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ. Oh, that is far better, he says, and true. Nevertheless, 24, 
to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. I need to be here. I need to get things done. 25, and being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you for your progress and joy of faith that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Christ, Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. He wants to see these Christians. He has confidence, but he says, you know what? If I die, I die, and I'm happy about that. But I, if, I'm, if I'm alive, I'm going to do whatever I can to share the gospel, whatever I can to build up Christians, whatever I can to help people see joy in whatever situation they're in. What did he face? What was his main concern? That Jesus Christ be magnified in his body. Christ had become Paul's life. We sing a song, Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live. His life is all about Christ. He has died to himself and he was born into Christ as a new creation. As a new creation. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15. I'll let you get there. We're going to look at a couple of scriptures. We're going to look at 14 through 15 first of 2 Corinthians 5. And 14 and 15, for the love of Christ compels it. Oh, it pushes us. It motivates us. It gets us going. It just can, it, We're so excited about it, and we continue in it. It gives us power and energy. For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one, capital O, one died for all, then all died. And he, capital H, died for all, Jesus, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died and then rose again. We're motivated because Christ died and we're motivated because Christ lives, but we are compelled, this verse says, 14, by his love. The love of Christ compels us. Go, go down to 2 Corinthians 5.8. You're already in 5. And he just says, we are confident, yes, well pleased, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. We, we're happy about this. But Paul is willing to sacrifice himself for the benefit of others. Does he want to die? Sounds like he does. Why would he want to? He wants to spend eternity with Jesus. He's having a hard life, difficult times, but he is joyful. He is joyful. In this last little area that we're finishing up, Romans 9, 1 through 5, he, he, and you can get there. This is just a little snippet. This is from verse 2 on the screen. I have great sorrow. Romans 9, uh, 1 through 5. I tell the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit too. That I have sorrow. And he says great sorrow and continual grief in his heart. It's continually. It, it, it just keeps on going. It never stops. For I could wish that I myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, for my countrymen, according to the flesh who are Israelites. And he goes on, I long for them to be saved. I would do anything for them to be saved. And in Christ, I, long, I, I am in distress continually. Continually. He makes that statement, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Our last scripture, Romans 14, 7 through 8. This last idea that Paul's, Paul magnified Christ through his distress. 
And notice this verse, Romans 14, 7 and 8. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Whether we live or die, he says, whatever the case is, we're living and dying to the Lord. We are his. He's our focus. He's our motivation. He's our reason for living. And he's the reason that we would be willing to die. And he says, therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. And so Christ was magnified in his life. His, he was magnified in his, in his body. He was magnified in his actions and his efforts. And he was magnified in his life that he lived. You know, Christ can be magnified in every situation. Maltby, Davenport, Babcock. He died in 1901. He was a, a writer of 19th century songs, hymns. One of them we, we are familiar with. This is my father's world. And he, he made this quote. He said this, life is what we are alive to. Life is what we are, our life, whatever we're living for, whatever is living inside of us. Man, I hope and pray that that life that you're living, that you, what you are alive to is Jesus. Are you magnifying Christ in everything you do? Are you magnifying Him? Finland, happiest place in the world. And I don't believe that at all, and I don't think you should either. Finland is the happiest place in the world. The happiest place in the world is, in, is being in the church. The happiest place in the world is being in Christ's body. The happiest place in the world is being connected to a body of people who have hope, who have, put in, have, who have been baptized in the Christ, who have had their sins washed away. The church, the body of Christ, is the happiest place on earth because it will be the happiest place in heaven. The church. If you're not a part of the church, but you understand how you, what you need to do in order to be part of the Lord's body, then do it. But if you're a Christian and you haven't been sharing the gospel with your life, with your lips, with the way that you interact with people and your speech, and you, and you understand that, that you're wrong, and you understand that you are wrong in other things as well, if that's the case, then we offer the invitation. And if you need prayers, let us know about that. And if you need, you need to confess sin, let us know about that. Whatever. It, when you walk up here, I can guarantee that you will be loved on after services are over. So if you have any need that can be met by coming forward while we stand and sing, please let that be known.